Apostle Paul going to ask the Holy Spirit to guide and lead us tonight. We're just going to take our time. Is that all right? Just take our time and just hear what the Lord would say. Father God, we come to you. We approach your divine throne tonight. And we ask for the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Open our spiritual ears and open our spiritual eyes, God, that we might see Jesus. These are your sheep. They have come for your bread. They have come to drink from your cup tonight. They have not come to hear from a man, but they have come to hear from their God. So we pray tonight, God, that you would breathe upon us. In such a way that would bring you glory. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. The prayer life of the Apostle Paul is what we want to talk about tonight. And we can uh, think about Paul. We can connect Paul's prayer life to the revelation and grace that he experienced in his life. Uh, when you study his life, <clears throat> you see that uh, his Christian experience is similar a lot of ways to ours. In terms that he was an apostle who did not walk with Jesus in the natural. The rest of the apostles, most of them, they had an experience with Jesus They ate with him, they lived with him, they fellowshiped with him in the natural for three and a half years. Paul's conversion happened after Jesus had went to the cross and was raised from the dead and was enthroned at the right hand of God. So Paul knew Jesus in the spirit. Same can hold true for you and I when we begin to understand the realities of an open heaven and the things that have been purchased for us in terms of our access to Almighty God through Christ Jesus and through his blood. And so Paul, his uh, relationship with the Lord was a spiritual connection that we can all experience as we uh, get deeper and deeper into the spirit. And one of the ways that we get deeper into the spirit is through our prayer life. Amen. So let's look, let's take a look at uh, Paul's background. Take a look at his, his background before we get into the study of his doctrinal prayers. We want to take a look at his background, because his doctrinal prayers, of course, are found in the epistles, all through the epistles, the letters that he wrote. And I want to go first to Acts chapter 22. And we're going to find out what Paul said about himself. What Paul said about himself in terms of um, background information that we need to really understand what uh, caused him to have such a dynamic prayer life. 
He says here in verse uh, chapter 22 of Acts, verse 3, and talking about himself here, he says, I am verily or truly a man which am a Jew. So he identifies himself as a Jew, has a natural seed of Abraham. He immediately does that. So we know then that he has covenant access to God uh, through the Jewish faith before Jesus Christ went to the cross. He says uh, he was born in Tarsus, a city of in Sicilia. And he says about himself, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was a very popular Sanhedrin uh, teacher of the law, a high-ranking teacher and elder, a prominent high-ranking uh, teacher and elder of the law. And Paul says that uh, he was taught at the feet of Gamaliel according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers. So Paul was highly educated in Jewish law and Jewish tradition. The Bible says, and was zealous, talking about himself still, and zealous was zealous toward God. So he had a zeal for God. He was zealous toward God, as you all are this day. So those are some things that we glean from that, that verse. Paul was well-schooled in the Torah. He was an expert in the law or the Jewish law. Again, Paul had a zeal for God, and that's very important in, in terms of our study of his background. He had enthusiasm for God, but it was at this time at that time, misguided. He did not uh, have true understanding in terms of uh, Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ being Lord uh, before he got born again. Even though he was zealous for God, his understanding of and connection with God was not what it should have been because... He did not understand that Jesus was and is the Messiah. Amen? So even though he was zealous and he had enthusiasm, it was misguided. He was sincere, but he was sincerely wrong. Amen? Uh, let's go to the book of Philippians. Because you can be sincere about some things, but you can be sincerely wrong if you don't rightly divide and understand the word. Amen. Uh, and Paul was that at that time, even though he had a lot of ed education. And he uh, and again, God used all of those attributes, the things that he experienced before his conversion. He used that to Paul's uh, advantage later on because he had to have uh, uh, the ability to understand Jewish law. And then once he got born again to connect that understanding with spiritual revelation. Okay. So 
Uh, let's see what, what else he says here in Philippians chapter 3. He's still talking about himself here. He says here in verse 5, he's about to talk about his pedigree. That he was, uh, the Bible says, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. Of the tribe of Benjamin. So he's telling us that he was of the tribe of Benjamin. He followed the circumcision uh, process that was laid out to the Jews at that time. A Hebrew of Hebrews has touching the law. Uh, he uh, was obedient as much as he could be. A Hebrew of Hebrews as touching the law. How many of y'all know nobody can keep the law perfectly? Nobody did except Jesus. But he says, I, I, I came as close as anybody to being perfect in that execution of uh, natural obedience. Again, he says, I'm a Pharisee. I was a Pharisee. Then he says in, in verse 6, concerning zeal. So he's talking about how zealous he was. Persecuting the church. So Paul persecuted the church. We've, we're going to talk about some of that as we go forward. But he was a persecutor of the church in ignorance. He didn't know. Touching the righteousness which is in the law. Then he says blameless, <laughs> as blameless as a man could be. Amen. Uh, so that's how he viewed himself before his conversion. Now, let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 7. And let's look at what Paul did before he was born again. It's important that we understand some of the things that he experienced before he was born again, if we're going to understand his prayer life that God blessed him with later on. Let's start at uh, Acts 7 and verse 51. And we're going to take start here with the murder at the murder of the disciple Stephen. This is something that happened during Paul's time before he got born again. And Stephen is talking here. He's preaching a mighty, mighty sermon here. And he's, this is uh, toward the end of the sermon that he preached before he was uh, murdered or killed at the hand of the Jews. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do you. That's a testimony right there. Which, the prop, which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before the coming of the just one, of whom you have been now betray the betrayers and murderers. Strong accusations. Verse 53. Who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. 
When they heard these things, talk about those people who he was preaching to or that he was talking to. When they heard these things, they were cut at the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. I always wondered what that meant, <laughs> gnashing with teeth. And I looked that up. It's like you get so angry at somebody where well, you just grind your teeth. You know what I mean? That's what they were doing when they were hearing that. They were cut at the heart. It touched them at the heart because it convicted them. And they began to gnash on him with their teeth. But he, talking about Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God. (laughs) And Jesus standing on the right hand of God. What an awesome, an awesome sight that must have been. But for him to get there... (laughs) He he had to suffer, amen? He was suffering. He was going through. But he saw the glory of God, which made it all worth it. Verse 56. And said, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And they then they cried out with a loud voice, and stop their ears. Hmm. That's, that's amazing. They they actually stopped their ears up. <laughs> they didn't want to. And ran upon him with one accord. And cast him out of the city. And stoned him. And the witnesses lay down their coats. At a young man's feet whose name was Saul. That was Saul, that was his name before God changed it to Paul. So they took their clothes, this is funny, they they took their clothes off, I guess, so they could throw better, right? They took their coats off so they could, it's amazing. And they laid their feet, they laid their clothes at, at Saul's feet, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. So Saul was in total agreement with all this. Because again, he just talked about in Philippians, he had a zeal for God. But it was without knowledge. He thought they were doing right. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all... Scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house. And hailing men and women. 
and committed them to prison. So that was his uh his occupation <laughs> before he got saved, before he got born again. That is what he looked like. He had a zeal for God, yet it was without an understanding. Now I want to go to the book of Galatians. This is not in my notes, so don't worry about turning there. But it says here in the book of Galatians chapter 1, verse 13, and Paul talking about how he was. For you have heard of my conversation or my lifestyle in time past in the Jews' religion. How that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and I wasted it. So again, he's testifying again of how he was and how he acted before he got born again. But Paul's life changes after he has an encounter with Jesus. You know, you can rarely come in contact with Jesus and remain the same. There's some who have come in contact with and still say the same, but they're rarely can you have a real encounter with Jesus Christ and remain the same. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 9, back to Acts 9. And this this, uh, encounter that he has with Jesus changes his life and the history of the church forever. Chapter 9, verse 1. And Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter. They was, was actually killing Christians. Just like they're doing now in parts of the world. We don't, here in America, we don't really know much about that. But in the early church, that's what it was about. They was killing Christians. People was giving up their lives for the faith. Amen. Yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. And he went unto the high priest. And desired of him letters to Damascus. To the synagogues. That if he found any of this way. That's what they used to call Christianity back then. The way. That he found any in this way. Anybody who was. Uh, exhibiting faith in Jesus Christ. Whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. (laughs) My God. A light from heaven. That was not no ordinary light. That was a light from heaven. This man had an awesome experience right here. That shined around about him, the Bible say. Didn't say about anybody else. Around him. A light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul. Why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? (laughs) He knows that that's Lord. He doesn't know who it is, though. 
The power of God has shown up. He recognizes the power of God, but he doesn't know where that power is coming from in terms of who it is. He's about to have his religion turned upside down. Verse 4 again, he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. And this is what I like here, verse (laughs) 6. And he trembling and astonished. Picture that in the theater, theater of your mind. The Bible said he was actually, he was like like that, trembling. And he's astonished, he's shocked. He's in total shock. And he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? So he immediately begins to ask God, what is it that you want me to do? Now he, he, right there, he, he has a servant's heart. He knows now that uh, he's speaking to a higher authority. And he's willing right there to submit himself to that higher authority. Amen. What wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, get up or arise and go into the city... And it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now let's jump on down to verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. The Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. Now, when I saw that, it let me know that after that encounter with Jesus, Saul began to pray. We, we, we see right there that he's, he's already... Praying. I don't know what he was praying. Maybe that he would get his sight back. But he was praying nonetheless. Because Jesus said, behold, he's praying. He's praying about something. And the Bible says in verse 12, And had seen a vision, a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him, that he might receive his sight. Let's jump down to verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house. Thank God, first of all, thank God for the obedience of Ananias, right? God told him to do something and he did it. We can learn from him, right? God put something on your heart. It's important. No matter what he tells you to do, how many of y'all know it's important? Now, he didn't know. That he was about to lay his hands on one of the greatest apostles of all time. He didn't know that. But he acted on what Jesus told him to do. 
So when Jesus speaks to your heart, no matter how insignificant it might sound to you, act on it. You don't know what God has you doing at that time. You don't know what impact you're about to make on the kingdom at that time. It may seem insignificant at that time, but act on whatever Jesus tells you to do. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, had sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. I like the, the last part of that. Not only are you going to receive your sight, but you're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Not only was Paul born again at that time, right there, right? How many of y'all know right there it can happen just like that? He was born again at that moment, but he now has the Holy Ghost. And he can now hear and receive revelation. He's got the whole, he got born again. He's got the new birth. Hallelujah. And now he can hear and receive revelation knowledge. How important is that? Same Holy Ghost that Paul got, you got, I got. So, this is important. Being filled with the Holy Ghost is very important. You don't have to be filled with the Holy Ghost to go to heaven in terms of that. But you do need to be, first of all, be born again. But in order for you to receive divine revelation and wisdom and understanding from God, you need the Holy Spirit to do that. The power of the Holy Ghost to do that. All of this is impact, will, will later on impact his prayer life. Because that's our subject matter, the Apostle Paul's prayer life. Now, when did Paul's dynamic prayer life begin? And again, this is not in my notes. But I want to read uh, Acts 9 and 22 through 25. So when did his dynamic prayer life begin? The Bible says here in verse 22 of chapter 9, after, you know, a period of time, Paul increased, because he was already preaching, by the way, he was already preaching. He went out of there and he started preaching. Paul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that he is the very Christ. How many of y'all know we need the Holy Ghost to do that? You can't do that without the Holy Ghost. Verse 23, and after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. 
So, so immediately, now his life is on the line. I mean, you know, you got born again. Jesus and told you there are many things you got to suffer, and now he's about to go through some suffering. How many of y'all know that you need the Holy Ghost to not run away <laughs> from the call at that time? People trying to kill you. If you get born again, the next thing, the next day, a couple of weeks later, they're talking about killing you. How you going to act? This is real life right here. This is real life. They took counsel, the Bible said, to kill him. But their laying awake was known to Saul. How did he know that? I wonder how he knew that there was, maybe the Holy Ghost told him, man. Maybe maybe, because he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now he he was already getting uh, understanding and revelation from God and he was able to hear the voice of God. But the Bible just says that that uh, after they took counsel to kill him, he left. So verse 24, again, and they lay in a wait, was known to Saul, and they watched the gate, the gates, the gates day and night, again, to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night, and let him down by the wall in a basket. Then, after all that went down, that's when the Bible says he went into Arabia. Okay? So after all these things went, that went down, now the Holy Ghost leads him to go into Arabia. Let's go to Galatians chapter 1. Again, all of these experiences are about to shape his prayer life. Verse 15 of chapter 1 of Galatians. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace... To reveal his son in me. I love that. That I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. That's important. He says, when I got this revelation and this understanding, I didn't confer with man. Verse 17. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So he went into Arabia and a few verses down we'll find out that uh, he spent three years there. Three years of intense seeking after God. And I believe it was during this time... During those three years of relative solitude, just him and God, that his prayer life was being developed. Okay. So that time with God 
developed his prayer life. Let's jump back up to verse 11. Again, it was three years of that. How many of y'all know a lot of these things, they don't happen overnight. (laughs) A lot of times we're looking for the overnight thing. But there has to be a time and a preparation time. He says here in verse 11, and this is important, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. I didn't get it from man. Okay. He got it from God. And I, I believe that the, the, the way he was able to receive that gospel or that revelation through what was through an intensive an intense prayer life. God showing him the connection between the old covenant and the new covenant. Takes the Holy Ghost to do that. So he says, I didn't get this after man. Man didn't teach me this. He says, verse 12, for neither, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul has now through prayer developed an ear for the Holy Ghost. I heard one preacher say, it's important to get along with God until you're not, until you're not alone anymore. Begin to seek God and cause God to give you ears to hear His voice and eyes to see Jesus Christ. One of the greatest things we can pray, pray for is divine light. Divine light. I've learned that, that in, in, in my prayer time, that's one of the first things I ask God for. Lord, give me light. I want grace. I need grace. I need mercy. But I also need light. Illuminate Jesus. Help me to see him by way of the word of God. In all my getting and my understanding, may I see Christ Jesus high and lifted up. I, I need to be able to see that. That's what Paul got during that time. He, he was able to get a revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's what, that's what his prayer life was based on. Everything that he, that he wanted, everything that he received from God, it led him directly to an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. That's all he lived for. That's all he wanted. And that's all his prayer life was about. Was knowing him and the power of his resurrection. And also, he he understood that the call was the fellowship of his sufferings also. Being made conformable, the Bible says, under his death. Because he remembered the assignment. He said, show him what the, the things that he's going to have to suffer for my name. 
Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm getting ready to close in a minute because I got a lot more. This is going to take a couple of weeks probably. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18. Yeah. There it is. He says, I thank God, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Now, this is the man who wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. This is the man who received revelation from God in, in, in order to be able to, to write those things. And he's saying here, that he prayed in tongues more than any of the other apostles. He said more than you all. He's talking about Corinthians, but I really believe he's talking about everybody. He said that anybody, everybody who had been baptized in the Holy Ghost, I pray in tongues more than all of them. The more he prayed in tongues, the more he was able to connect the Old Testament revelation with Christ and him crucified. I'm going to read that again. The more he prayed in tongues, the more he was able then by, by way of the Holy Ghost to connect Old Testament revelation with Christ Jesus and him crucified. He was able to see everything that the Old Testament talked about in terms of the revelation of Jesus Christ and everything that he accomplished in his death, burial, and resurrection. And he had developed through that revelation, or through his prayer life, a now faith. A faith that is now. A faith that believes that everything that Jesus accomplished on the cross is for the New Testament believer, if the New Testament believer can have light to see it. He was able to understand that he's been raised with Christ and seated together with Christ in heavenly places. He understood it. It just wasn't head knowledge, but it was a spirit knowledge and an understanding that this is our portion. On a moment-by-moment basis. We can get as close to God as we want to through Jesus Christ. We can know him and fellowship with him and love on him and cause him to love on us through the spirit of God. So he began to understand those things because he prayed in tongues. He prayed in tongues a lot. That's what he says here. This is verse 2 of chapter 14, and I'm going to close with this one. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. I'm talking to a bunch of Holy Ghost folk that already know this. But it's good to hear it, Amen. But unto God, for no man understandeth him, howbeit what Pastor Angela been talking about mysteries, right? Howbeit in the spirit 
He speaketh mysteries. Hallelujah. And that's what Paul discovered. Nobody taught him this. The Holy Ghost taught him this. He, he, he began to understand the more I pray in tongues, the more understanding I get. The more time I spend on my face, crying out to God in an unknown language, the more understanding of God in Christ Jesus I gather. It's an amazing thing. Stand to your feet. And we're going to get into some more. We're going to get into the doctrinal prayers the next time we meet. But, uh, and, and we're, we're going to see by way of the Holy Spirit how awesome these prayers are. Pastor Mike always say, I know all the problems you got. Get to the promises. Pray the word. Pray the promises. We'll begin to understand how when we begin to pray those doctrinal prayers that Paul prayed, the light that we're going to see. And like I say, the same Holy Ghost that ministered to him will minister to us. Father God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. And we thank you for this great apostle who laid his life on the line for your kingdom glory. And the divine revelation of the Holy Ghost that has been written down and has been made available to your New Testament people. Pray tonight, Lord God, that you would give us a divine hunger for these things as we begin to study along these lines the prayer life of this great apostle. And Lord God, that we would grab hold of some keys and some principles along the way that we could ourselves begin to go to another level in our prayer life with you. And Father, we'll give you all the glory, all the praise, and all of the honor for every manifestation of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.